0: To God, the podcast where two friends talk about two of our favorite things: fish and beer. I am the Lizza.
1: and I am the Kid, and
0: we are joined today by our friend Ben. Ben, say hello. Hello. Awesome. Ben is going to be kind of giving us a little bit of beer insight later on in our beer segment, but he's also be sitting in for our fish segment. Um, so thank you for joining us, Ben. Thank you for giving us some of your time. Thanks for having me. Uh, the Kid. Let's take this fish segment away. Yeah, let's let's talk about fish. What do you got on the table uh, for today?
1: Well, yeah, well, first, I mean, I think since, you know, there's a new person in the room, I think we should really, you know, get some background and figure out where we're coming from. Um, So, Ben, why don't you tell me, uh, you know, how do you know uh, Eliza? Because that's how you're here today. Uh, Give us some backgrounds.
2: (laughs) Yeah, so uh, we've been working together um, for three, four years now. Oh, a while. So, yeah, I'd say a good, a while. A while. A while. while. <laughs> a while. Yep. Yeah. Uh, about three years. Um, first on opposite sides of the industry, then on the same side of the industry. Nice. Um, yeah.
1: So you went from, uh, like, frenemies to work friends. Uh, I don't know. <laughs> opposite sides of the industry. Frenemies,
2: like is a yeah, no, no. yeah, yeah. First, first she sold beer to me, and then I sold beer with her. And,
1: you know. <laughs> yes. The tides is the tides have turned mm-hmm. and it went over to the dark side. Correct. Correct. So Ben works for the same distributor. Is selling the beer the dark side? Depends on who you ask. <laughs> good answer. <laughs> I feel like that's the good side.
0: The light side?
1: Yeah. I don't know. I guess It's tough, man. Every it's Jedi definitely it's no, it's definitely Spider-Man. the dark side. Well, I get, I get or at least the gray side.
2: I get the sense that it's the dark side every time I tell somebody, "Hey, have a good weekend." Kind of as an afterthought, and they're like, "I don't have a weekend." Yeah, <laughs> yeah,
0: that uh, is something you sorry, have to be privy. I'm sorry, I'm sorry, that's true. That's you know. just bums. <laughs> I usually say, "Enjoy the rest of your day," <laughs> or like, like I don't go so far as to say, "Like have a good weekend." I go so far as to say, like. Thanks for reach. like. Would I, yeah, keep it keep yeah, it short term, yeah. Because yeah. you know See, that well, nobody w- works. When something. I
2: say have a good weekend, I what I'm thinking in the back of my head because I'm t- an idiot is uh, have a good weekend in terms of sales. Yeah, go right, right, right. Go right, out, right. make a lot of right, money. Exactly. I know you're gonna work your ass off, but you know, enjoy it for what it is and and make that money. But
0: yeah, no, I I yeah, I think that's that, a nice thing to say. Yeah,
2: but you can't <laughs> say that whole thing. You can't explain <laughs> your your you know because
0: that turns into a paragraph. Yeah. I, think should,
2: uh, I, I should I print think it on eternus. a business card, just on the back of the business card.
1: <laughs> well, at one point, you were both on that side of the industry, so don't you think it's, like, awesome now to say that, like... You know, I used to work retail-type uh, locations as well. Sure. We call it the fruit stand, but... um <laughs> I didn't have. He's
0: referring to working at Apple, by the way, <laughs> uh, and that's like a super lame. Whatever, you guys inside. are super lame. That's I had Drinking to call it out because that lame is. That's so lame. <laughs> Saying you work at a fruit stand, that's the lamest thing. That's what thing we I've call ever. it.
1: Uh yeah, any job? That, well,
2: no, that's that's a quintessential insider
1: well, joke. You guys probably had people at work that took work a little too seriously, and like yeah. they just kind of like were. That's any job, though. Yeah, but like we used to call that at Apple. We used to call that you know the people who drank the apple juice. <laughs> <laughs> you know, things just got a little. Oof. <laughs> punny. Again,
0: that's that's any job. That's any job at your old retailer. <laughs> I'm sure they had a phrase for that. At our current distributor, we have a phrase for that. Oh yeah, it's mm. it's being two balls deep in the company that you Mm -hmm. work for and like blindly believing in like you know the things that have been sent to you on high to you know filter down and convince people is the best thing but really (laughs) it's not it's what your company at the time is trying to push other people to do maybe
1: there's a secret underground group of comedians who station themselves in corporations to make puns about people who work too hard
0: no way dude no way (laughs) just a
1: thought (laughs) <laughs> but this is still
0: relevant to fish because I think a lot of people think that uh, f- liking fish is some sort of uh, cultish uh, phenomenon.
1: Yeah, that is definitely And, and the way true. that people
0: follow them and kind of uh, obsess over them and like read stuff about them is a slightly like cultish slash religious slash obsessive we'll say I, obsessive
1: i've made it a joke that you know when people talk about like soul cycle or like uh what's the boxing one that's all over the city now um i can't remember the is it name. the
2: one is it the one where they paint the stormtroopers on, yeah, on, on, the the yeah. you know, on the gloves. yeah on the gloves <laughs> yeah
1: they're like it's crazy but it's like a you know f- you go in like the one class or whatever, so it's like again, all, those are all cults. When people talk about those, I was like, oh yeah, I have mine. Yeah, it's yeah, fish. Pe- people can like, be <laughs>
0: into things as deep as as, but like, fish is different, right? We were t- kind of talking about this earlier before the show. Fish as a band uh, is has largely and purposefully stayed out of the mainstream media. Right? I don't know. So they've they've never, yes, it's purposefully. They've Uh, never had a top 40 hit. They've never had a video on MTV. People, if you weren't kind of know somebody who knew somebody, you really wouldn't know who the band is. And at the same time, they're selling out arenas and kind of touring the globe. I mean, the States, oop, states now, but like globe before. They've been to Japan and Germany. They're sort of a, a phenomenon. They're sort of a phenomenon and people don't really know who they are. What is your, uh, if somebody walked up to you and said, what do you know about fish or what are your ideas on fish on Be honest. And what do you yeah, think? No, about
2: I'm, I'm, I'm completely new to it. Even having listened to a little bit of fish, um, not intentionally, just, you know, when it's playing, you know, I wouldn't necessarily know that it's fish and, outside of that i I only hear what people tell me
0: so but what are what are your so like for instance here's I'm just gonna lay this down uh the rep I had before I got into the industry loved fish, and my whole like um sort of like stereotype of people who liked fish were that they were like dirty hippies, right, so like do you have any like When someone Um, says they like fish, what do you think in your head when someone walks up to you and says they like fish?
2: Yeah, yeah. I guess you could, you know, the dirty hippie. It's it's well, it's weird because it wasn't it wasn't the idea that came into my head, but then you mention it, and it's like, oh yeah, I guess that's that. All right, yeah. When you go like when
0: you close your eyes and have to visualize a fish fan. mm
2: -hmm, Yeah, but then does it be does it kind of weave itself into that Burning Man thing where yeah, there's there's you know crazy dirty hippies, but there's also they're Billionary, called Wooks. Billionaire CEOs who, who also go to Burning Man, who also go yeah. to fish concerts. Yeah, like, yeah but
1: exactly. this is this is also where it gets cultish. Like I just had a term of vernacular that's known within the group that stands for something that you wouldn't know unless you even listen to the music of this band and get into that said community. Like this thing gets deep, man. Like this hole gets really deep. So, I
0: always first of all, I will say I am always reticent to tell anyone that I'm a fish fan. Because I'm afraid of what their perception of me is going to be after I say that. And B, I love to get insight uh, from people outside of the scene to see kind of how they perceive.
1: Right, there's a stigma. Fans. So again, if yeah, I saw correct. two people walking down the street with white button-downs, black pants, and a book in their hand, I'd be like, oh, look, those are Mormon guys going around. You know, like, there's like a, <laughs> there's a thing that I expect people to assume when I say I'm a fish fan. <laughs> and but, it's like, okay, cool. So right. you like to do a bunch right. of drugs, you like to listen to really long-winded music that never ends, and like, right. you, like, are kind of in a cult because you go see them a shit ton of times really weird um my question to you ben is that uh we were talking again before the show and you were talking about how a lot of the stuff you like is like really obscure and like youtubey is like any of that stuff like kind of feel that way like is there like large play counts on anything you're listening to like it's actually like out there out there or is it like small Mm, it,
2: it bounces around a lot. I'd say that, you know, this the stuff that, that I listen to that's obscure, it, it's not obscure for any particular reason. You just kind of pick it up and, like, they, they haven't, uh, you know, they haven't made it yet. They, they don't have that huge subscriber count, that huge following. Um, the, the guy that I was talking to you about before we started, uh, Pogo, like, he kind of got bigger. I didn't even explain what he did, but um, he takes, like, old, cartoons and old Disney musicals and he'll sample like small segments of the voices from those uh, uh, movies and cartoons and he'll put them against like an EDM beat. Oh, and cool. It's, it's, That's it's, cool. Yeah. But like, so I you can know. see
1: the scene from Bugs Bunny where he dresses up like a lady and seduces the opera dude and he sings to,
2: He well, he does, he does a lot of, he does a lot of Disney. Oh, right. Um, and it, I don't know there's there's just something about
1: it like it works that's cool that's mm-hmm. super cool yeah so like again i i think when I, I i honestly should use better vernacular but and not so much obscure but i think when i'm talking about like more of this like rustic like stuff that's up and coming would you say that like a lot of the stuff that you're listening to is like still not even on the map yet like super small and super whatever um like thousands of views or like thousands of listens or like mm-hmm. are we talking about like millions of listens like what's the scale that like people are consuming this information
2: you know honestly i i, I couldn't even tell you because for me it's just about you know the music i put on oh, sweet i put on uh, um you know a, a youtube playlist created by some rando or a spotify <laughs> playlist or something and i just let it go yeah. Like, half the music yeah, yeah. that I really like, I don't even know the names of the songs. I just know they tend to pop up in these playlists. I don't know. Maybe it's because I was raised listening to the radio. I didn't have a, a CD player until I was, like, 15 or something like that. So huh.
1: no There's something that. to be said about not, like like, that playlist vibe where, like, mm-hmm. you don't have control of what's coming next. And I think there's, like, even now with, like, the advent of streaming music, I think, you know, the two... Biggest examples are Spotify Radio and like Pandora. Like one triumphs over the other significantly because it's way better at being random. And that is Pandora, than, yeah, in my opinion. <laughs> but that's cool. Like what you're saying is like you basically like that it's changing all the ways and like you're not really sticking on one thing.
2: And for me, it's it's about the music. Like I've got uh, uh, bands that I've been listening to for five, 10 years. I couldn't tell you the name of the bassist because for yeah. me, I, I don't care about the politics. I don't care about the people. I just care about the music. That's I'm the
0: interesting. same way. Yes, that's very interesting to me.
1: I can name two members' full names in... Uh, actually, no, not even. In Guns N' Roses. <laughs> no, slash and Axel. Okay. Actually, that's... No, I know Duff. I know... That's it. What's the rhythm guitar player's name? I don't know. <laughs>
0: so I would say then there's you are devoid almost of a fanatical obsession with things. Well, that that's the way that that's why fan fanatic, you know, that's where it comes from. I'm the opposite. Yeah. I like digest any little tidbit or piece of information or yes, yeah, story or or any little anecdote I can about the people in a band that i like mm-hmm. you know whether like this song was created this time and where they were and what they did and what they were listening to on the radio like i like to dig very 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 deep into the things that i really like and fish is definitely something that i am truly obsessed with so i i do try to like read whatever i can about it read articles about them and for whatever reason that gives me more of appreciation of
2: of things do you think you you have such a uh, uh, affinity for fish because the stories are better?
0: Uh, I don't know. I think I don't think I would care about the stories if I didn't care so much about the music and I wasn't so passionate about it. So I kind of get where you're coming from like the the stories about the personal people themselves don't matter so much, but I do like to get that background in terms of like this song was based on you know the band members were listening to a radio you know on the radio and they heard like beach boys for instance and you can hear the beach boys song in your head and then you can kind of hear how that music evolved or was kind of sampled or stolen you know you, you could you, you yeah. get more you of like the about? origins
1: a, of what song are you talking about i know exactly what you're talking about uh what the is beach it boys song
3: <laughs>
0: what is it is it we could pop groove
1: Yes. <laughs> yeah, 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 that's
0: what I thought I was talking about. But yeah, it's, it's again, I see what you're saying, like, the people and all of it doesn't really have any impact on the actual music itself, mm-hmm. but for me, like, knowing the stories behind how things were created and where people were at the time and, like, the moods they were in or the drug-induced states they were in, like, kind of gives me more of, like, insight into breaking the song down.
1: Well, yeah. what I'm a little curious about is, like... um if the music experience is, like, really what uh, pulls you in, do you go to, like, a lot of live shows and stuff? Like I don't, right? no. Um
2: huh. I, well, uh, they have the uh, concert series over in Prospect Park. and yeah, yeah. yeah. I'm, you it's know, dope. I, yeah, I love going to those concerts, but it's more about, like, listening to the live music. I guess...
1: <sighs> you know what's really cool about Prospect Park, now that you bring that up, is that... Uh, It's one of the few places, like, when you go to Summer Stage in Central Park, like, you don't really get, like, a crowd that hangs out Mm -hmm. um, outside of the venue, but at Prospect Park, you have people freaking picnicking right right. behind the fence. They don't care that they can't see the people, but Mm -hmm. they can hear the music, so they go and they just sit down behind the fence, like, it's all, like, there's this blue plastic, like, woven into it so you can't see inside, and they just sit with their kids or, you know, just hang out and, like, open wine and, like... <laughs> yeah party. no i i
2: i had this I had this argument with two separate groups of people over the summer. the first one was, well, they wanted to go to see common and the other one i get what it was playing but um they're like, oh yeah, we're going to go into the the venue and watch the show. I was like, why do you want to do that the, the beer <laughs> the beer is terrible it's nine dollars for a pint, and right. uh we can sit just outside underneath right. these trees and, right. and you know chill, crush a couple of growlers, and right. have is just as good of a time, yeah.
1: yeah
0: yeah that's valid
1: it's i mean that also like you know you get people who are just like i need to be in there i need to see it i need to pick up my phone and record it i'm never gonna watch it ever again
0: (laughs) so i think that's so that's the kind of that's the kind of unique thing about fish is that most of the reason why they resonate with people is because all of what they do is based on the live experience, right? They have studio albums and they have recorded albums and they have things that you can go and buy in the store and listen to, you know, on iTunes or whatever. But everything kind of surrounding what they do is based on the unpredictability of going to see them live. And that's what keeps people kind of going back time after time after time to go see them because they play things that you are familiar with but you never know what they're going to decide to do on any given night that you go see them so honestly it's all about the live experience
1: Which Uh, I really enjoy and resonates with me. Do you feel like she sold you the cult well enough? (laughs) (laughs)
2: Um, Yeah, like I could see myself uh, uh, planning on going to a Fish concert (laughs) and then uh, uh, looking at the ticket prices and then turning right the fuck around. Really? (laughs) Uh, No, but like
1: also what I hear is that, you know, a lot of it for you is like getting absorbed into the music Mm -hmm. and... uh, by not going to live shows, I mean to me, Fish as a band is a live experience. Mm-hmm. Like if I were to only listen, as you don't actually, the Lizza, you don't listen to their studio albums very often. You only I never listen yeah. to their studio albums. So imagine, never. so you sh- listen
2: to their live album.
0: I listen to their live shows. They have an app. They have a couple apps where you can go and download an entire show that just happened. So you can listen to a recorded version of a live show. Okay. And that's what I commonly listen to. Fish OD, for example, if you go into the app, you log in every single day. They have this little thing called On This Day. And you can go and search for years past of shows that happened on that day and listen to, you know, a show they played in 94 or 2001 or whatever on the exact day. So again, it's more for me about like the nostalgia of like, it's like history. It's like thinking about people who existed at this, this day, you know, but 20 years ago, 30 years ago, however
1: it was. Let's, let's, let's get a little more specific. So like now she's kind of uh, insinuating that it starts getting a little more like jazz. Jazz is, you know, like, if you go see Coltrane on one day from another day, if you could have seen Coltrane, because I sure have, would have wanted to fucking, I would have wanted to, um... You know, his solo wasn't the same the two days in a row. Yeah. So, like, the live experience of Fish, and I feel like the reason people gravitate towards that experience is because it's always different. Even if they play a song that they just played, like, eight days ago, which is gen- like generally, like, eight or nine days is their rotation, they have to go at least that amount of time before they play that song again. Okay. So you get all these renditions of the same song, but they're all different because they don't ever adhere to such of a... You know, if you go see Springsteen, Uh, you can go see one time of Springsteen and pretty much figure out like what every other concert's gonna ever be like. So you can do it the one time. So um it's if you're cutting that all out of the equation, if you just chop all that off at its neck, what you're presenting to someone in a traditional music sense, which is what Liza, you were saying before, they don't stick to. You know, if they're cultivating nothing but a live experience, you have to always go there. Trying to sell someone on their just like standard shit is really hard. Mm. Like, trying to go up to someone, like, could you, do you think you could sell anyone? I mean, you are probably someone who's worked in retail for a really long time. Like, I'm a
0: saleswoman, is that yeah. what you're trying to say? Like, do you think. Working he, in retail is being, well, it's not really
1: different than being a saleswoman.
0: Somebody has to sell somebody on something correct. is what you're saying. Do a sales you think, person, so a saleswoman.
1: Correct. So, <laughs> do you think you could sell someone on fish, only using studio material?
0: Probably not. I mean, I, that would be like a baseline. So if I was trying to get somebody into fish, I would never recommend they listen to anything that was recorded. No. If that's what you're getting at, I would recommend they go and listen to like no, different no, 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 no. shows. You're diverting
1: from the question already. I'm saying you only get studio stuff. Only get no, studio you stuff.
0: you you can't. Right. That's like me saying, oh man, this beer is so good, but. I don't ha- really have this version of it. I have a different version, a more pared down version of it, right? So that's like you, essentially the comparison is like, hey, uh, there's a beer that's really cool and it's a Pilsner that's dry hop with X and X hops and then Oakage and this and this and that. But I don't have that to give you. I have just the base beer of this. That they and make. this their is Pilsner. what you're trying. You their Pilsner, not their right awesome, so, cool So shit. it's a baseline, yeah. <laughs> but then you have to use your imagination. To to get right, so I'm not gonna be able so to make that she's sale. No. I'm not gonna <laughs> be able to make that sale because if I sell you on the water, not watered down, but the base version of it, and then no. all these cool things have happened to it and made it better,
2: mm-hmm.
0: you're not gonna be like, oh yeah, I'll just, just taste of this base version. It's great, and I can imagine what you're saying, and I'm gonna go for that. Like you have to.
2: There's so much room to build
0: off. Right, of this. No, you have to let them so experience what the actual experience if, if is going to be. the grand
1: question we're asking is, is like, what's the the culty thing and like the crazy thing about fish is that you kind of have to get someone who,
0: experience it live. to experience it live, which mm-hmm.
1: is again to, to a lot of people taking a blind leap that is, you know, not easy to take. Like you're saying you're going to go see a band.
0: See, but here's, can I just interrupt you really quickly? Yeah. I'm sorry. I know when you, you, I know you hate when I interrupt you, but <laughs> you're, Again, whatever. You're saying like, oh, you know, y- again, you're putting so much into this. Bl- I would have never met any human being in my life that wouldn't be up to like go hang out with people, go to see live music, go to drink some beers, have a good time. Like even if you didn't like the music you were going to see, mm-hmm. don't you think you would still have a good time because you were in that setting of going to see live music? As right. long
2: as it's not country music. Yeah, yeah I agree. But <laughs> like, agree. I implicitly I agree,
0: agree. <laughs> and that's what I'm saying is like, you're you're taking the music for just the music, and you're stripping away everything that makes fish what fish is. You're stripping down the experience. I I, you, I, I'm not, I don't I'm think you could pitch somebody. That, but I don't think saying. you could pitch, hey, let's go see some live music to anybody, and they'd be like, oh no, I don't, I don't. Let's not do that. I don't like live music. That's no, crazy. No, 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 no. What I'm saying lame is, is that like
1: most them. people um even if they're going to go to a live show if you know that you're going to go see a live show like a week in advance you bought the tickets out like one or two weeks in advance you're probably going to go do some investigating into that band and the way you're going to consume that information or not
0: or not if somebody just likes going to see live music and somebody says hey i have a ticket for you let's go see this band i would go in a heartbeat that's how i got into fish dude i knew nothing about the band all I knew was I was going up to Saratoga on the 4th of July to have like a fun time with a bunch of people and get shit-faced and go see live music. Okay. And it turned out to be a band that I really love now. But that's when I, that's the entire, that's my entire point, is it's not hard to sell somebody on the experience. It's more hard to sell them on the music. And for fish specifically, it's very hard to sell them on the music if you only introduce them to studio versions. If you take them to a show... It's it's so it's like ninety nine percent going to be that they actually like the band and whether or not they like the band for the music or for the experience, they'll probably go back and see another show. So now imagine. So so
1: so Ben. So now imagine uh, Liz knocks on your door, comes over and she says, hey, man, I got this thing that you really need to try. You're probably going to love it. But you got to come and try it. <laughs> okay. Like, I feel like and if you're most. You're going to take me to
2: upstate New York in order to do this. <laughs> yeah, and yeah. Drive me and... four hours into the wilderness. Yep. And you're going to love it.
1: And, and, yep. And you're going to be completely isolated for three days. <laughs> you have to camp. You got to do all this stuff. And you just, you got to trust me. You may really like it. <laughs> the experience is really great. Want to go? <laughs> well, I mean, I think. <laughs> Sounds <laughs> a little creepy, no? <laughs> i've known her for a while (laughs) i just you know it to me it it sounds it's a hard pitch to sell just because you're asking
0: but again it's like pitching somebody an experience versus pitching somebody a specific band and a specific type of
1: music i think the only point i'm trying to make is that it's it's really uh it's (laughs) I think that special type of person is committing to that and just doing it, you know, for the sake of doing it. It's one thing, and that's awesome. But I think most people consume music in a very specific way, which is why Fish has never had a gold or you know, like a a pop a top forty pop song or like whatever. There's a lot of reasons for these things, and it's because they don't stick to the standard rate of consumption that like right, the general but, populace. But again, like how how to. were
0: you sold on Fish? How were you sold to, on
1: Fish? I had to go. I had to Correct. go to the show. Yeah.
0: You to be more specific, the way you were sold on the band was you I was will, failing you to have, capture them by their no, studio no stuff. you I was will, you it. will experience or have the most drugs in one place at one time yeah. in this experience I was sold to and that 's how it was sold to you, and that's yeah. why you decided to go yeah, and all of that is based on the experience. nothing of that ha- speaks to the music, the music style, the music genre, what they play, how many people are in the band, what the music sounds like. Somebody said to you, "You can go to this place." We can see this band. You mm-hmm. can do all these drugs and be surrounded by all these people who are doing all these drugs and just cool and chill and enjoying the experience. And you were like, "All right,
1: I'll give that a shot." No, well, I just wanted the drugs, but yeah. <laughs> well, Except let me. Let, I mean,
2: uh, based on what you guys have described and what I've heard of fish, like yeah. it is. It is, you know, pretty. From what I've heard, it's it's pretty low key. It's it it's kind of drawn out. If it what what's the average length of
1: a fish song? Uh, song yeah. or
0: show? Song
1: song. song it's 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 hard to say it because, depends yeah. okay. it varies
0: from song to song They it can go for as <laughs> long as like thirty yeah, give, give me 30, minutes, 30, 20, minutes, thirty minutes twenty eight thirty minutes let's say it this minutes. Way. to, to let's as say, short if, as uh, a minute and thirty seconds it's
1: okay very easy to say that any of their songs can be standard, which is anywhere from six to eight minutes. Mm-hmm. Any of those said songs just mentioned could be stretched to a half an hour, okay. if given the right scenario. But,
2: but we're talking about a studio studio album. So let's say I I go on YouTube, I search "fish," I take the top result. Let's yeah. say let's you know let's average it and say it's a 15 minute song. Let's say I listen to that studio album recording of that song three times in a row. So right? this is actually, I'm, I'm gonna hate it. This is really funny. No, <laughs> but, wait,
1: wait, 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 wait! This is actually no, really no,
3: funny.
2: No, no, let him finish. Let him finish. <laughs> yeah, I but I'm, I'm, I'm saying, like, you, you know, you listen to that, you know, something that's a little lower key, something that's made to be part of an experience, uh, uh over and over, you know, three times, like, you know, that's that, that's how I enjoy music. I, I'll, I'll listen to the same song a couple of times, uh, to sort of pick up. But if it's if it's if it's long, if it's drawn out, you know, that's not necessarily something that I'm be like. Oh man, I'm gonna buy every album they ever made. But um if you uh if you integrate that into an experience Right,
0: put it in the context of a show. Put it
2: in the context of a show. And you know, I, I may I may ruffle some feathers, but if there are long long stretches of the song that could be considered, you know uh uh, uh uh of the music that could be considered secondary to the experience, what's going on in front of you, what's going on with your friend, I hesitate to word use the word background music, but mm-hmm if you know if it's if it's part of one big experience where you're going out with your friends at a show there's light shows going on there's lots of drugs uh god only knows they have race uh race horses in saratoga maybe they integrate those somehow i don't know
0: <laughs> it's funny you maybe. say that there's a lot there's a there are a lot of posters when they do Watkins Glen stuff uh where they integrate uh it's actually a a track. car racetrack, it's a yeah, Formula not, 1 racetrack. not a horse. Yeah. That's a Saratoga. That's in spec. Mm, yeah, Saratoga, yeah. Saratoga is known for yeah, the yeah. horse racing. Yeah, yeah so he yes, made his there's a lot of really well. It was cool. yeah, yeah. No, there are a lot of posters that <laughs> play killing on the horse his joke. You're murdering it. I'm, shush, shush. Okay. shush. Uh, so
1: I like horses. <laughs> I googled fish song. Okay, Just, those are the only two keywords <laughs> I threw into Google. What's really interesting about what you were saying is that um, the most popular. F- fish song like the poppiest song that they have is a song called uh simple simple doesn't even pop up in in the uh I'm that song's way too not long not simple i'm sorry sample in the jar sample in the way, jar one of the way
0: i got into fish when i realized i was going to a show do you know what i googled most tolerable fish song <laughs> this is not a joke i went on google and that's what i typed in most tolerable fish song and sample in a jar is what comes up okay cool right. so, so, it's, so it's a good starting point mm-hmm. because it's very you know standard very yeah, yeah. yeah very chorus verse yeah. it's yeah. it's what you know as a standard okay. song
1: let me okay so sample in a jar is the ninth song that shows up the first song is a song called You Enjoy Myself. Ooh. You Enjoy Myself is a studio album 24 minute song. Okay. Now, the one thing I will say about it is that A, it's probably the most perfect example of who Fish is as a band. Mm-hmm. And B, it's very orchestrated. So while it's very long winded, the way the parts fit together don't seem like, you know, a typical rock song. It seems more of like a mm-hmm. rock opera or, you know, something mm-hmm. like that. Um and, so and like, like, like that aside, I still think that if you Google that and listen to it first, <laughs> you turn and run. <laughs> well, and, <laughs> when I, I um,
2: you know, to to your earlier questions, like could you sell somebody on on a studio album? You know, having never gone through the experience of listening to an entire Fish studio album, um, I think maybe you could if you did it right. Yeah, if you took one studio album and is like played it uh, uh start to finish. You listen to every song once, maybe while you're doing something else, uh, um, and uh, uh, you say, okay, now we're going to go see this live. You know, you could probably sell people on that. It's it's when you add in the repetition that's so, you know, popular, you know, you can listen to a single over and over and over again on the internet, you know, it it, it, it kind of destroys what the uh the song was going for to right. be part of a set and to be part of an experience yeah yeah that's true so you can't fish you know maybe maybe the studio albums you can listen to them once, i don't know um but there's never going to be a fish single
1: yeah, yeah. exactly what is um exactly what is the harris whittles podcast that uh our good friend Josh got us. sister. Ooh, a I don't remember the name of uh, it. I forget it too, but there's a guy. I have and to Harris check my Whittles phone. was a comedian for Parks and Rec. Uh, he had it's a called, podcast. An, it's called Analyze Fish. Analyze Fish. So that's actually a really interesting thing that you brought up. That's the whole point of that podcast is that his friend, who's a fellow comedian and he's on Comedy Bang Bang. He's one of the hosts of Comedy Bang Bang, hates fish. Um, and no, so, the, so Harris Whittles H- is trying to convince him. Harris to like fish.
0: Whittles, who is an ex, well, he's dead now because he OD'd on drugs, of oh. course. Uh, but it. he he oh, used yeah. to write he used to write for Parks and Recreation. He used to be a writer on Parks and Recreation. The entire premise of the podcast is him, Harris Whittles. He hosts this podcast with his friend, the guy who also hosts Comedy Bang Bang now. And the entire it's like how maybe fourteen episodes long. Harris Whittles is trying to get his friend, who's also a fellow comedian, into fish. Okay, so it's episode by episode what he thinks he needs to show him. To get into fish right. and 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 the first you know five episodes the guy's just like this is bullshit
1: i don't Literally understand tells him to turn it, off. it like, sounds like you, shit turn off. yeah, yeah right yours. right he's
0: like this is horse shit right but like interestingly he, enough he's F- feeding him live
1: experiences Fisch does a uh, lot
0: of covers right. so he was like playing him cover. he's like why would i listen to the song that i like covered by a worse band like right so it's until he takes him to a show and the whole experience of the show, going to the pre-party, you know, getting stoned, Adam Scott eating was edibles, there. Also from yeah, Parson yeah, Act. yeah. It's 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 it was the experience where at the end of the day, this guy is like, you know what? I don't like this music, but I can see now why you're so into it because the entire experience was something that was really fun for me Mm -hmm. they get him like super high on mushrooms and at one point he's like i'm loving this they take like live recordings from the show they have like a field recorder and he's like i love this this is great and they like play it back and he's just like i don't remember saying that but he's just like see like in the moment (laughs) Mm -hmm. you were like totally in love with it Mm -hmm. and i think that is the quintessential no one will understand fish no one will understand it until you go to a live show that's what I tell people.
1: Anyway, I thank you for sticking with us through 30 minutes of talking about fish, having yeah. only heard them uh, via the Lizzo. Um, we're going to take a short 15 minute break and we're going to actually uh, listen to Sample in a Jar. Yay! <laughs> the studio version, Lizza, eat it.
0: Okay.
4: hidden far away Though someday I may tell The tale of metal tangle ran into your world I fell Without you now I'd wander soaking secretly afraid But in your grasp the fears don't last though some of them have stayed I wheeled around because I Said and saw you dancing with the lady on my only one's bed. And I was foggy, rather groggy. You helped me to my car. Unfolding with all the willies and their wares, I shuffle by, alert with numb to all the glances and the glares. I think of you, unheeding all the times I raise my cup. It's now I know that you knew that I'd soon end up in up
0: Here with me, the Liza. I'm the kid. I'm Ben. And yeah, Ben. See, he's, he's... he's good. He's got a natural feel for this. <laughs> you should be on podcast more often, Ben.
2: <laughs> I'm here because I got attacked. Yeah. I'll <laughs> <laughs> be on the podcast.
1: <laughs> yeah. Uh, That's awesome, by the way. Yeah. It, like when people say, like, oh yeah, I'll come over and talk into a microphone. I feel like most people would be like, fuck that. I don't want to. That's crazy. <laughs>
0: So we are joined, uh, by or with by we're joined with, I don't know, whatever. In the presence ben, of yeah, Ben is here with us, uh, today on the podcast. Ben, thank you for joining us. Ben works in the beer industry with me. Uh, he's a good friend, so I brought him on for our beer segment this podcast, um, this episode, um, and I really wanted to kind of just get kind of his input on kind of like things that he sees in the market and like basically just his ideas on what's happening so beer trends is kind of what we're going to be talking about beer trends of this year um i'm sure you have something to chime in the kid um but anyway um essentially there uh was a talk at the uh cbc last year and people kind of predicted craft beers craft brewers conference sorry that's what cbc stands for people kind of predicted what the trends were going to be for this year and there are a, t- a slew of articles out there about brewers actually predicting the trends for this year um but the two main ones from cbc that they predicted were one hot forward beers and i feel like that's kind of like a dir yeah I'm, dumb y- you're shit gonna to hit say. your head you're gonna hit your hand against your head that's like such obviously a broad stroke of a brush right that's right right it's, it's being very it's being very broad hot forward beers and uh, lighter craft beer styles. So like lagers, Blondels, Pilsners. That's
1: not, that's not a thing. They literally said this whole half of the line and this whole other half of the line.
0: So <laughs> they use like Nielsen data. They mm. use like IRI data. They use like polling data and that's they're trying to keep it as broad as they can. But let's just kind of dig into this. Let's talk about what beer trends you see, Ben, because you're in the market. I'm in the market. The kid, you can just kind of like ride the
1: coattails. No, so- I honestly Def- our our ex- expertise here. See, I actually think I don't have a horse in this race because the beauty of being a home brewer is that I don't have to stick to trends and I can make whatever the fuck you I can want. do whatever you want. Yeah. and that's 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 a very lucky I have thing zero for a horse in this race. Yeah, that's a very lucky thing for you.
0: So, uh, I just want to kind of lead off with saying that. Wait a obviously- second. Wait a second.
1: What are what are we drinking? Are
0: we oh, yeah, about what okay. we- oh, yeah. Okay. Well, this we
1: glossed over. Okay,
0: Ben.
2: Oh, so uh,
1: take it away. Yeah,
2: I uh, we have uh, Peels Peels Lager established in 1883, 4.5 percent alcohol, uh, brewed in New York. Uh, we, it actually I, is brewed in New York. Yeah, I checked it. I checked I, it well,
0: before we did this. And
1: <laughs> they have to be one of the oldest breweries in the uh-huh. states, huh? 1883,
2: yeah. uh, brewed and canned by Peels in uh, Elmsford, 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 New York. Uh, New yeah, New York. Good I for might, them. I might also be just being an asshole and mispronouncing the name. Uh, no peels p-i-e-l-s Pils, Pils. oh well it might just be german they, they they throw eyes in places all the time
0: this is really good
2: yeah right <laughs> okay so uh price for a 12 pack uh 13 dollars
0: what yeah so yeah. that's like a little over a dollar a beer okay yeah. so i mean i kind of gave you like the insider about styles we we're mm-hmm. gonna be talking about today so what made you grab this
2: uh, so this was this was recommended to me by a mutual friend. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, uh, she said that she had just kept buying pack after pack. It kind of became her like old man beer, yeah. beer in the fridge, okay. you know, just something you have on hand to drink awesome. once your palate's completely fucked. So yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, and I, I'm kind of getting that. It's like it's it's in the same vein as like a. Um, uh, Ying, Yingling is the one that I would compare it to. It's it's less flavorful than Yingling, maybe like a Cerveza, but it's it's crushable. It's yeah, four point seven percent, so it'll keep your buzz going, but it won't you know put you over the edge. It's, sure, it's, it's nice,
0: right? Mm. And that kind of speaks to what I was talking about in terms of like, uh, I, I think so. I think currently, I will say this. I think, um, obviously everybody knows in the craft market right now there is a huge trend with. Hazy IPAs, juicy mm-hmm. IPAs, unfiltered IPAs, people adding, you know, everything but the kitchen sink to an IPA, lactose, fruit, this, that. And I think uh, that trend will obviously continue because mm-hmm. it's kind of what the market is demanding these days. But I also think there is an extreme backlash to that. And mm-hmm. I think, you know, the extreme opposite is kind of what people are calling for. So, like, you know, hop, you know, quote unquote hoppy. Pilsners and lagers, session beers, like you just said, beers that people can crush, I think, are what people are looking for to the antithesis of that hazy, juicy IPA. Right. Because how many of those can you actually fucking drink? Yeah,
2: exactly. Right? I it's, can get it's through not, maybe two-thirds right. of one. Right. Um, and, you know, there's also the element of uh, um, there you is is – you're paying – Twenty twenty-five dollars for a four-pack, four pints of beer. Yep. Um, you know, if you're gonna drop that much money on a single beer, maybe it makes more sense that people are spending their uh, depleted funds on slightly cheaper to produce, cheaper to make beers,
0: right? Right, right, right. For sure, for sure. Yeah, I think that's totally true.
1: The so kid, what do you have to say? I was going to say, can I give you guys some uh the, the the background story on the brewery is actually really interesting. Peels? While you guys were going yeah, on, yeah, ben, ben, do yeah, you know about this?
2: I, yeah, well, I uh, <laughs> uh um our our friend sold it to me partially on the story. Okay, and, uh, but so yeah, he's he's got to pull the kid. It so yeah, I was going to say, the, the, I'm going to give you the
1: cliff notes. The cliff notes are basically that like the brewery actually did start in New York, like in New York City um back new in new york city um or new york state uh no, no 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 in new york and it actually like spread around there was like a bunch of brothers uh they bought a brewery um uh the point is is that like the early, like back in the 1800s it was like a, obviously a german style uh brewery um what i wanted to start talking about is that in 1951 uh they were in bushwick brooklyn and the company uh bought a plant in Staten Island and eventually they like expanded out and did all this shit. But after like a bunch of hardships and whatever in like the seventies, uh they started closing a bunch of the plants. And when they started closing a bunch of the plants, they basically got back down to like one of them that was in uh it was a factory like out in Staten Island. And then once they succumbed to getting bought out by Anheuser Busch. Pabst Brewing Company ended up buying out the rest of their recipes and continuing to brew them. So it wasn't until current, it was April 2015, that they actually were able to get a brewery put back in New York. And the actual original, um, I guess, descendants of the original brothers that opened the brewery were able to reclaim the rights to the brewery and bring it not only back to New York, but...
0: <laughs> so it is really? no longer owned by Anheuser Busch. No, or no, Pabst. No, no, no. no, they're in Paps. It's, it's, it's Paps. A legit... Paps would be. Okay. Mm-hmm. Okay.
1: I I probably butchered most of that. I feel like maybe no. Ben could have been a lot more. No, about no, it.
2: God, I I heard it like a, a week ago. <laughs>
1: <laughs> it's a really. It, what's really interesting to me is that when I first started reading it, I was just like, wait a second. So the really the only thing that has transcended the uh the amount of like of time is really just the marketing of it. Like it kind of just passed along. But then when you get to the current of April, 2015 and like the family taking it back and like doing whatever, it's like, well, it's cool. It ended back in the original like lineage of the family's hands. But like, I'm curious as a home brewer, I'm like, it doesn't really have any, they just got access to their recipes that they originally made and their brand. Yeah. So it's like, they're still doing whatever and it's still in the family and that's cool. But there's no, it's not like the person who inherited it is like a, Sixth generation brewer, you know mm-hmm. something but crazy like that. It,
2: from from what I understood, uh, uh, Pabst was actually brewing this beer or this recipe up until twenty fifteen. Yeah, you know, they they discontinued it, and the the brothers brought it uh, bought it back. Yeah, um, so you know maybe it's slightly higher quality because they're brewing in smaller batches now.
1: That would probably be not only true, but because we're in New York and consuming it here, we're probably getting it as fresh as possible. Yeah. So,
2: and of course, the water's better too.
1: Absolutely. Can make so, bagels with this beer.
0: Oh, dude. Bagels <laughs> are the best in there So let's actually talk about that because um a big so there were a couple of brewers every year they ask brewers, head brewers or brewery owners, kind of what they predict the trends are gonna be in in the next year. And there was an article I pulled up uh for the predictions in two thousand eighteen. There were a lot of head brewers who actually in you know, talking about stylistically, they were talking about uh they thought that consumers were gonna try to be more uh conscious about the ownership of the beer that they were consuming, right? So I don't know if you guys know this. Um rate beer was recently bought out by uh Imbiv, mm-hmm. A B Imbiv. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. So again, it's like you, Can you have say to, what that is just so it has it's a giant conglomerate it's no, no, a giant no, no, not company a, not in
1: bed, but like what what rate rate beer is a website oh that rate beer is a website is like that rates go. rates beers okay yes
0: right so again i was talking mm. to ben about this earlier like it's kind of gotten to the point in the beer industry similar to like how you have to know how to like filter out your the news that you get like how you have to know the sources you're getting your beer news from you know if you like whatever turn into tunes of fox you're saying, news you're saying you're going to get right wing bullshit obje-
1: once objective or now biased and now you actually have to be concerned about Who's telling you what to drink because they might just be trying to sell you some shit?
2: Well, rape beer is still uh, uh, kind of community driven. It's it's based on votes and people can leave comments and stuff like that. It's more of the question of like, but how don't are they, how are they filtering those comments? How are correct. they throttling the uh, the? Don't the you think right. they're gonna oh, push? I, I don't go to rape beer anymore. No.
0: but but <laughs> for a novice who does, don't mm-hmm. you think now that Imbev owns rape beer, they're going to push forward and in the forefront all the beers that Anheuser-Busch produces so that they convince people that those beers are 99, hundred, ninety eight. 98, yeah. you know, This is yeah. like when
1: Lex Luthor bought the Daily Planet and told them to run stories that Superman was bad. Yeah. I've so seen this before. Yes, it is. Yes, it is. <laughs> yes it is. Yeah, so here's my if thing. If Superman <laughs> was a beer, what beer would he be? <laughs> Ooh, good question. He's a great American adjunct lager. He's from Kansas. Mm-hmm. Come on. Oh, no, or an amber. He's, he's got a lot Maybe of corn in amber? him. Uh, good damn sorry i'm done. sorry digression go ahead faster
0: than a speeding train speeding bullet Bullet.
1: jump he can leap tall buildings we're digressing go ahead beer
0: (laughs) (laughs) I, i i just find it incredibly fascinating uh being somebody who's worked in the industry for a very long time that uh people are now all of a sudden starting to care about the ownership of of the you know breweries and the companies that are producing mm-hmm. this beer and where this beer is coming from and it's something that people actually really have to be very conscious of mm-hmm. right like it, two giant foreign owned multi-conglomerate companies own 90% of the craft beer in this in this industry in this country and they're not putting on their labels that they're owned by these giant corporations. So when you go out, I mean, the most recent example, me, yeah, yeah say, the yeah. most recent example I can think of is Lagunitas, who recently mm-hmm. got bought out by Heineken. Mm-hmm. There were a lot. There was a huge backlash. You know, they're not uh, family owned. They're not. You know, s- they're owned by a giant corporation. Mm-hmm. So it's becoming more and more important these days to support. Family-owned or you know small mom and pop-owned breweries, rather than buying beer from these giant corporations.
2: So, how do you feel about the uh, the the craft beer label or the craft beer logo that they've been putting on some of their uh, uh, packaging? Do you think that's in, enough of a filter? Are you for talking people? about
0: the Brewers Association Craft Beer Seal? That that might be it. Yeah. yeah. I think that's fantastic. Okay. I think that is.
1: A, can you? Yeah. What are the requirements to put this it, label
0: it on de- my... It denotes a brewery that is still, uh, independently owned
1: Understood. and not owned by but, a
0: multi conglomerate. So
1: yeah, they can't have a a. So but that's what I'm saying. Like, I, how big can you be before you get bought? Like, you have to be a macro brewery. Essentially, they have set that standard.
0: It's an independently owned brewery. So, not a brewery that is being funded by a giant corporation, Got a it. foreign so multi conglomerate Point would still be
1: on, able to brand themselves as that. Even, a lot of breweries would, but so there, in
0: recent aw. times, in recent times, there have been quote-unquote craft breweries that have been. Not, I don't want to say selling out, but being purchased up by larger. I'm I'm confusing
1: size of brewery and ownership, Mm -hmm. so that's my problem. Correct. Correct. When I say you get big enough that you start having like satellite breweries that Mm -hmm. are brewing on a different coast. Yeah, like Stone has
2: Stone has uh, uh, one on the East Coast, one on the West Coast, and one in Berlin. Maybe maybe do they have a fourth one?
0: No, no, that's no. all I know so yeah. far. East
2: Coast, and, West Coast, Berlin. Like, they, they made what's... a well. They made a big stink about how they were not stink, but they <laughs> they made a big deal about how they were building the Berlin brewery completely independent of any funding. It was Correct. all out of their own coffers.
1: Mm, okay,
0: but that's a huge issue abroad because in Europe, <sighs> uh, a lot of breweries and bars are all funded by, you know, specific. Um, Distributors, brands, whatever. Like that's kind of how it is in in Europe. There's not a three-tier system there. So a lot of the breweries control, you know, like macros, Bodding, macros Boddington's over, owns yeah. a whole pub, right? Mm-hmm. So, you know, they're going to j- have Boddington's as a permanent line and they're going to be paying for that. That's why we have a three-tier system in America. If We try to be the middleman. Ben and I are the middleman between the breweries and the... The industry. We try to keep it fair. Yeah,
1: because if not, <laughs> the little guys would have no playing field. It would just Correct. be nothing but big guys owned everywhere. I mean, I I get all that part. I mean that's also why there's like a resurgence. I mean you were just in the UK um and you're seeing this resurgence of smaller guys. Like the tasting rooms are starting to kick off now and work because people are tired of the big guys. So I, I think when you're talking about beer trends in general, it's just like coming up with new stuff is only inventive by those smaller guys. So it's really interesting to see, like, where they decide to take off to. And again, when we were talking before about me not having a horse in this race, it's, like, it's interesting to see where these smaller guys are choosing to go. Sometimes it's just based on, like, when you're saying that things are getting uh, more crushable and, like, lighter, it just sounds to me like they've been popping off in one area for so long that they've pallet-driven all these people this one direction, and they now have to, like, <laughs> do the white to their black cookie, you know? Mm-hmm. They have to like offset it. They have to so so you're saying double back. So the trends are more predictable. It's it's a sign graph, right? Peaks and valleys. It's more predictable. Right, so you
0: you're saying people predict the next year's trend is just going to be the antithesis of what's happening. Pretty much. And, and to some extent, that's actually kind of true, because have you Ben? Have you uh, heard of this new style of beer that's been born out of the hatred for hazy IPAs? It's called brute IPAs.
2: Uh, B-R-U-T?
0: Brute, like, like the champagne. So essentially no, what it so is... dry IPA. Correct. Brewers Super are dry, like brewers adding, are very excited about this. There uh, is a style that is I'm emerging. Not. Mark my words. <laughs> Listeners, mark my words. You're going to start seeing these in the market. It's called Brute IPAs. And what it is is bone dry, low ABV, low IBU IPAs. So they actually very, add very an enzyme similar.
1: during fermentation that allows them to get full conversion. And get to zero play doh and completely just dry the fuck out of the beer. As close
0: stuff. to champagne as you can get in a beer. That's interesting.
1: Yeah. I
2: I <laughs> well, um, previously when I had thought of like what's going to be the new trend in in beer, my guess had always been uh, more the West Coast style IPAs. Right. When I feel like um, the East Coast styles, the fruity milkshake style IPAs, yep. are really accessible. Anyone yes. can drink them. Correct. Um and it, it it opens you up to the flavors of hops. And I kind of thought that maybe people would, you know, try that and be like, "Oh, this is a little heavy. Maybe I can move over to like a pale ale or something like that, a little drier, a little hoppier, uh and then move on to the 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 hardcore super bitter uh uh west coast style IPAs. So it's interesting that they're going not hoppier but drier. Uh, yeah, I, I, I wouldn't have predicted that. But well, yeah. I, I,
1: so one thing that I think has caused this to happen is that when you read about brewed IPAs, uh, they're l- using lupulin powder. So the ad like the advent of lupulin powder has allowed this style to kind of kick off. So, again, when you're talking about brewers pushing a trend, it's also like, you know, if you're making a recipe all the time and all of a sudden you get access to a new ingredient. Like, you're going to pop off on, like, first of all, experimenting with that said ingredient with styles that you already know and seeing how you can, like, bring more out of that style. But you're also going to go off the deep end and try to figure out a new dish with that new ingredient. So...
0: Right. So to produce a new beer or a new style of beer, you have ways to go you can do a totally new style or like you're saying with ingredients or you can do a brewing process that's completely new right you find a new way to incorporate some uh way that you use you you alter the brewing process in a way that's never been done. and
1: what i'm saying here is that not only are you using this enzyme to make the beer drier, you're also using it with the lupulin powder so making it drier allows the aroma to be more of the you know the spotlight of the beer like that's really what you're talking about like it just becomes
0: (laughs) can we do a quick poll here sure me being in the industry you being in the street in the industry who some my words him not being in the industry what (laughs) what is your like go-to favorite beer to drink just on a normal day, um, yeah. If you want to crush a couple, what uh, is your go-to beer drink?
2: It's it's a it's a pale ale or it's a light pilsner, one of the two.
0: Correct. Okay. Cool. So mine is Budweiser, and I know I will get, you know, shit from everyone, and people will say that I have affinities to Budweiser because our distribution house, uh, distributes that in some parts of New York, but I, there is a tried and true, um you just you there is a familiarity and when you go to a beer and you know it's always going to taste the same mm-hmm. and you know like you're saying it's always going to be light it's always going to be crushable it's always going to be just something you can knock a couple back there is a very much uh, a desirability for that mm-hmm. i i will love I, I love sour beers i love uh new england style ipas i love milkshake ipas i love mm-hmm. the hoppiest of all hoppy ipas but when i'm going to a picnic, or going hanging out at the beach, or going to watch a football game, or going to a concert. I want beer that I can drink and crush, and more often than not, that's going to be a Bud or a Bud Light for me. Yeah, but again, same thing. Like you want something you can just kind of drink.
2: Yeah, and and that's the thing. Like there's a lot of exciting styles out there, but at the same time, you can drink one or two of them. Correct. And then your palate's dead. Correct. And even if it's like. Popping a couple of uh, um, Budweisers or Pilsners or w- whatever suits your fancy in between them to you know sober up a little bit. Exactly, uh, uh, let your palate recover, and <laughs> yeah, you can go. Exactly. To, like, I'm so in um, in a couple of weeks. I'm going to go visit my beer buddy, and I'm going to take <laughs> like five hundred dollars worth of rare beers, stouts, nice. And, nice. and things like that. I'm just going to load up a, a suitcase. And I'm gonna bring that over to them, and the reason that they do that is because a little less so nowadays, but um you know back a year or two ago, all of the special edition stouts and adjunct stouts and things like that they all came in twenty two ounce bottles right for like you know fifteen to twenty dollars uh, uh some some upwards of thirty dollars and i'm I'm sorry, but if I get twelve ounces into a twenty two ounce beer that's you know uh eleven percent alcohol halfway through I can't feel my face and okay. I can't taste yeah. what I'm paying for yeah, yeah. That's, that's why I bring it up to him they, we split everything yeah share 50, it. Yeah. exactly and then you can enjoy the entire beer switch right. over to something a little lighter and, yeah. and
0: exactly. enjoy the next one exactly it's yeah. too much It's too much of a good thing, I think. Mm -hmm. (laughs) What's your favorite? uh, Crushable right now? No, not crushable. That's what I'm saying. Like, what's your go-to beer? I think Uh, if if you ask anybody this, uh, somebody in the beer industry, somebody not in the beer industry, a novice, somebody pulled off the street, I think the answer is going to be the same. And I think that's kind of the point I'm driving at. If you had to drink a couple of
1: one beer, what would you go for? Reciprocal by Bissell Brothers. I think
0: that's the dumbest thing I've
1: ever heard you say. I, every time I come home with a case of reciprocal, I actually have to, like, and again, this should not be a thing because it's a freaking IPA. And that's also a style that I, you know, drank forcibly. But like, that's why, because it's a style that you're not really supposed to be able to crush. And it's so well balanced and dry and hoppy and a good spot that I could crush it. Problem is, is that I live in New York City, not in Portland. So I can't crush it whenever the fudge I want. So when I go up there, I come back with at least two cases of it and I have to actually like fight the urge to drink it. If given the opportunity and unlimited I, access to it, I would freaking destroy that. I
0: door. always love your input because it comes <laughs> from somebody who exists outside of the rear industry. Yeah. And to me, that's super enlightening and it's very uh, interesting to hear. Uh-huh. Uh, the article I was referencing earlier about trends in 2018, uh, Shane, the owner of Six Point, said he predicted in 2018 people would start realizing that their time was valuable. And people would stop waiting in lines and waiting to get super exclusive beer and yeah. realize that time is not something that you can bank and store. Time is only something you can spend. So and it people-
2: says the guy who spent all the money developing the <laughs> app that allows you that, to skip see, the See, but line. that's what I'm saying. Mm-hmm. No, so no. Like, I think he's right. Yeah, it's, but- it's a
0: valid point. Like, I feel like at every beer drinker's career, right? Every person who loves beer, who's drinking beer for a very long time, at some point starts to realize. They're past all the fucking bullshit, trends and hype and this and that and the coolest next new thing. And all they want is something that they can just drink and know is consistently going to be the same and consistently be of high quality. And that's why every the
1: most important part also going to be easy to get. Every every
0: every beer drinker, I will you can quote me as saying this. Every beer drinker goes through an old man beer phase, and that's wanting German. Uh, Pilsners and Lagers. Everybody oh, eventually man. gets to that point where they've extinguished their palate on the craziest shit. They've had the craziest IPs, the cr- bitterest, the, the highest ABV that, and all they want, because at the end of the day, they want a beer, again, that is consistent quality, consistently available, and easy to drink. You can crush a couple. You get into that old man beer phase of your beer drinking no, life. I, it's I, German I'm, Pilsners and German Lagers.
1: I'm sorry. I'm going to disagree. And I'm going okay, to say fine. that there is something to be said let's not forget beer is food right it's a beverage it's food
0: it's alive
1: so what that means to me is is that there are recipes that we can all talk about in food language any food language just genre of food uh specific plates we can get as down the rabbit hole as you want but you could say to someone you know what i really fucking love chinese food. Mm-hmm. Right, so uh, Chinese food in this example, I could be like, I really love freaking uh pilsners, they're everywhere. Chinese food's freaking everywhere, but you can also go. You know what? I really freaking love General Sao's Chicken. I really love a Hellas lager. <laughs> like you can go as deep down within that style or within whatever, but there are styles for people that are you not you like. Not so much universal, but are just things that they can consume all the time. And I think what truly I think you're makes proving that, that point right but now. Let me... Hey, hey, hey. What I think is truly great about that is that a good brewer and a good brewing company, which is harder, harder to find, is like finding a good uh, chef. And they can take any style and they can take anything and they can make it great and they can make it crushable. So again, going back to using a, something as crazy as reciprocal as a crushable it's just like if you can make something well balanced enough and something that speaks to a universal palate then you've hit the gold mine there's a reason why amber beers are all over the midwest that style caught on in that area and that specific you know populace consumed it at such a rate where it's become a standard of style in that area the reason so, why they
0: do ambers is because they're like 10 years behind the in the beer trends like how you know Mexico. How is, could that is be? Ten changing, years like, is ten years behind yeah, the beer about, trend. Like they still that, wear like, tight jeans and bleach their hair. they are yeah, like they're Europeans they're, they're, they're behind. To the States. I get yeah, where you're I know, like you're Asian making. women think, dang, dyeing their hair blonde is like the next hot thing. They, they're behind the beer trends. They're still uh, so s- synced into what was happening twenty five years and ago, which is amber. Everyone was making an amber.
1: Amber's are fucking stupid. And what I'm they're saying is, is that a great chef anywhere the same way a great brewer anywhere can take any style and make it crushable is my simple point no and no
0: you're wrong and i'm saying you're wrong (laughs) because the definition of a crushable beer is a light beer a beer that's low in abv refreshing and relatively dry you can't. Saying, you can't take a dry hop, double dry hop, double IP, hazy IPA. There's no way a brewer can take that and make it cr- "quote unquote" crushable. Crushable is sessionable, <sighs> meaning you can drink a couple in a session. Yes,
1: that's what I'm saying. So Ben, just to pull you into this a little <laughs> bit, there's a podcast episode that we did where uh, the Lizza served me a cocoa nib. What is it? The Firestone Walker. Help me out here. What is it? It was, you know exactly what it was. Mocha Merlin. Yes, the Mocha Merlin. Okay.
0: You've had I, that, correct?
1: Yes. Yes. I don't like porters and I don't like stouts. I can and he doesn't like those. chocolate and he doesn't okay. like coffee. I hate chocolate. I grew up <laughs> allergic and coffee is disgusting. I don't okay. drink it.
2: Remind me, is is was the Mocha Merlin the nitro one?
0: No. Yeah. So the Mocha Merlin is the uh, nitro Merlin, which is the, or quote unquote, nitro oatmeal. Mm. It's a porter or a stout? Porter? Porter. It's a a stout. Stout. And then it has uh, chocolate and coffee. Okay. So everything he hates was basically encompassed in one beer. In one place. And and because it was brewed really
1: well, Mm. he loved it. And I I honestly, she she got me a couple of them. We had a Mm. bunch for the podcast. And they didn't stay in my fridge for like a day. (laughs) They were all gone. So-
2: well, I mean that's that's like a crushable version of a style. Show me a chocolate stout or a uh or a coffee stout that's crushable. There's very very few. You have yeah. you have the 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 Mocha Merlin is like a 5 or 6%. I think 6 maximum. Um and then uh, if it, I I like 80% sure five, it's nitrogen. 5.5 5. 5.5 5. 5.5 See a, but he's proving my point. Baby. Is that well, is IBD. that maybe
0: crushability is related <laughs> I, directly to ABV?
2: Well, I think I think both of you are kind of on the on the same page. It's like what he was saying, anyone can take a style and make it crushable, but maybe you're right in that to make it crushable, you need to make it lighter and uh uh, lower ABV, yes, like let's let's exactly. be honest, the the worst thing that you can get your hands on is a crushable nine percent beer, and I actually have an example of that. What? Um, and and maybe maybe it's specific to my palate, but um, it would be uh, um, Dark Swan by Lagunitas. You know it's, what? It's, I
0: can't remember the last time I had that beer. It's a sour, right?
2: It, it's a sour. It's it's aged on wine grapes. I forget which one, and I think it's also barrel aged, um, right. Very lightly, but it's it it goes down like like a, a glass of wine. It's very refreshing, uh, and of course they release it in the summer, so. I had a, oh. a, an experience where I was at a party and I hadn't had the beer before it happened to be in the fridge and I drank uh uh two or three of them I don't remember oh, and no. it's like, <laughs> One more
0: it's it's it, it's a big boy beer it, it's
2: <laughs> it's like 8 or
0: 9%. See, it I goes lo- down really easy. Right, and actually so you're you're actually making an extraordinarily good point right now. Balance, man. I my two markers uh for judging uh, a good brewer, somebody who knows mm. how to fucking brew, like undoubtedly are A, somebody who can do a good Pilsner or a good lager, right? Mm. So a very basic style, nothing to hide behind. If it's a clean, yeah, basic, awesome, perfectly scientific. brewed yeah. beer, they're a good brewer. And B, somebody who can make a beer that is high in alcohol where you do not taste the alcohol.
1: Yeah. Yeah. It's the hardest. So thing I think to you do. actually
0: are making an extraordinarily good point. Well, that was
1: my point. If you again, if you can take a beer that's ten percent and make it crushable, you're doing a good job. But then then you have
2: you, you have another
1: problem there, you're gonna kill a lot of people. There, but, but there's two there's
2: two aspects to this. There is there's the brewing side and then there's the marketing side. Yeah, Correct. For sure. and it's Correct. Like, yeah. you know how many how many or right, take the dark swan since I've already brought it up. Yeah, how many six packs can you sell of that? Some, oh, pe- some people might really no like it, but that's like you can buy a six pack of twelve ounce bottles for a weekend, maybe a weekend and a half. You can't drink more than a couple of those, or sure. you you shouldn't drink more than a couple of those. <laughs> You'll die. Uh, yeah. <laughs> but I, you could. I, I came very close. You could. See, that's what I'm <laughs> saying. Good time. Good right. time.
0: You shouldn't, but you could.
2: And it's like you need you need somebody who is a a, a, a good brewmaster who can put together a beer that tastes good who, that that doesn't taste like fucking lighter fluid. Um, yeah. but at the exactly. same time you need to have the sense to market the beer appropriately. I think that, you know, what what we're talking about with crushable beers, something that's that's light, that's easy to drink and that is low ABV. You can sell a 12 pack of it. But at the same time you need maybe maybe what I'm getting at is that it makes more sense to make uh crushable beers that are perhaps a little simpler. And complex beers that are maybe a little higher ABV, but that you drink and you you enjoy over the course of an hour, as yeah, opposed to yeah, 15 yeah, for minutes, sure, like know,
0: for sure. As you're, yeah, exactly. as, as
1: you're saying that, all I can think of is uh, who was the first person who decided that like larger amounts of beer, like uh, ABV, I'm talking about, had to be served in like appropriate amounts. How many people had to die and like literally (laughs) fucking black out and die and end up in the hospital before they said, okay, listen, if it's past 8%, it's got to be served like this many ounces. If it's past
2: this, like, (laughs) I don't, I'm going to go out on a limb. I'm going to say that it had less to do with people dying and more to do with bar fights that destroyed the, the, the brewer's property.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah, I think that's pretty valid. <laughs> I think that's a good marker of uh, measurement, a good way to measure that. Um, Ben, I just want to quickly mention that you were recently up at Collective Arts. It was in Ontario, so I want you to speak a little bit about that brewery. We're kind of getting on the the wave and the conversation of marketing and how important that is to a consumer when they drink beer. Oh, yeah, I mean, it, it kind of reminds me of when I was a kid and I went into a record store and mm-hmm. I knew nothing about music. And all I would do is walk up and down the aisles and look at the pictures on the albums and basically buy music simply for the cover art or kind of what was on the label. And this kind of ties into collective arts a little bit. So I just want you to speak awesome. a little bit to that Your questions.
2: All cool. right. Yeah. So yeah. um Collective arts was a good trip. Um They, um They've got some some I don't want to say standard. That seems a little dismissive. They've got some good beer styles, but it's it's the ones that you would expect. They've got a a, a blonde ale. They've got an a, an IPA, a hazy IPA, a goza and a sour. All of the ones that I tried were really really good. Um, but what really sets them apart is that it's um, they have a submission link on the back of their can for artwork. Okay. have any any artist who picks up a can who feels so inclined they can go to their website and submit can art um, huh. for that brewery um they put it through uh, a couple of online polls they kind of like narrow there there's some employee uh decision making involved at in some point I don't know they they explained it, but I had a couple of beers by that point <laughs>
1: um that's interesting though so they basically like do uh Couple, you know, filter fil- means of filtration mm-hmm. to figure out the artists that get to be decided to be put on the cans. Do they have to design like? Do the artists get like, like uh, a printout, like a two D printout of the can that they get to work with, or they literally no, just I, submit I, whatever? Yeah, they, I think
2: they submit whatever. That's and crazy. That's that's part of why the 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 brewery itself and. Uh, likely their lawyers have to get involved is make sure that they aren't having anything that they can't put on a, a can. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But they yeah. narrow it down and the final judging hmm. is done online. It's 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 crowdsourced can art. But what's interesting about That's how That's Yeah. That's awesome. And oh, uh, they they brought us into their uh, conference room and the walls are lined with just different bottles of of beer that have all these crazy arts. It was a really cool effect. Um but what's interesting about the beer or, or What's interesting about the um, the the art project that they're doing is that they will use different pieces of art for the same beer, and that's something that's something that we talked about. Is like, yeah, it's it's kind of a toss up between brand recognition and that that desire for the beer community to have something that's new and fresh. Mm. Um, You know, they'll do series of arts. Or, or series of art, where they will uh, uh, do do the whole voting process. They'll, they'll select the art for all of their beers for that period of time. They'll print it, and then they'll do uh, another series where it'll be completely different art for the same beer. And that was something that we were talking about while we were uh, uh, visiting them. It's like, you know, is this a good thing or a bad thing? Are you going to... Yeah, because people
1: don't recognize your brand on the shelf. If yeah. the art is going to change mm-hmm. and still be the same beer, and I, as the consumer, walk into the space looking for this one specific beer based on its label, how do I know that it's the same? That's my first, like, gut re-add. Like. I actually have to start reading really yeah. close to the label, and, and not just looking. The, that's the thing.
2: <laughs> They're like, "Oh well, people can stock it where they 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 position it so that one side is the one one can of the four pack is the art, and the other is showing the actual beer inside." Um, it's like, yeah, that, that, who's
1: going to do that and a, take the time to do that? <laughs> a, a deli will not. <laughs> yeah, a bodega a, in New York bodega. City doesn't care.
0: <laughs> I think they've like kind of honed in though on the a genius way to get beer nerds and collectors and people who are constantly seeking new and different and fresh things to want to buy the same beer Mm -hmm. over and over and over
1: yeah but like honestly i think that's super smart i've entertained this idea uh with gamehenge because the the logo is a silhouette and, and, in like encasing it with art of like local artists and stuff like that. But like, like we're talking about right now, it's just like, it gets really hard because people, it, it's easy when you have like a logo that is like a, like a symbol, a specific mm-hmm. thing that you can just kind of see and identify or whatever, but they if, they if, do if, have a symbol. But, and, and yeah, and, but with beer more often than not, it's like, you know, a very specific, it's like, you know, from face value. You know, I go and I see the red and white of a Budweiser can. Like, I know it's a Budweiser can. And, you know, there's the, there's just very specific things about it. But and like-
0: Budweiser has changed their label and marketing a billion times over. And they will continue to do that. But that's like, my point
1: is like you, so so that's you're what saying. I'm saying there's like a there's a level of consistency while there's allowed to be like a level it's almost like in the NFL right now there's like these stupid rules that like a team can only change its marketing so much from year to year they're trying to prevent like what happens with soccer where like from one year to the next it could be a different sponsor or a different whatever. And, like, people would have to constantly be chasing, you know, these changes over time. They're trying to do it for the consumer's sake. They're like, you know, people don't want to be chasing after this shit. Right. Keep the change more minimal than, like, constantly in flux. So the fact that you're telling me that, like, not only is one beer not limited to this state of flux, but, like, the artist can do, you know. Whatever
2: they want. <laughs> yeah. I like... within copyright law. Here's the question that that kept coming up to me and uh, a slightly controversial problem possibly is this question of you have um, you have a beer drinker or a, a customer who is always chasing something new but maybe is stuck on a hype train who is always chasing something new and doesn't really think of it past that so they go and they get the collective arts IPA series five whatever uh, they come back a month later. they get uh series six. Does that consumer and I think that con- that kind of consumer might be a larger part of uh, of of the beer community than maybe we appreciate. Mm-hmm does that person recognize, oh, I got the same beer. They're just changing up the art or do they think, oh, it's this, is a, this is some brand new beer. I'm only going to go, I'm, really are, are they, question. are they going to buy a case just because yeah. it looks different and because they can't remember yeah. what it is they had. The three answer is yes. yes.
0: And, and now we're getting into the point of morality. Is it right to dupe somebody into thinking they're buying something oh, new? Well, when it's not really something new, it's just got a new label.
1: I, I, I don't know I, about I will, that. ignorance is bliss at that point i will who's responsible i'll
2: i'll go to collective arts corner on this one i don't think they're duping the customer i think that what because they are changing the art at a at a pretty fixed rate they're changing the art on all their cans at once and they do have sort of a theme they have a kind of a color-based theme from what i can gather Uh, uh one one, I think it's their IPA, always has kind of like a reddish background, and the background of the description, the the, the name of the beer, is always in this particular uh, uh, color of red. I think that they're not trying to dupe people, and I think that what they're doing with the art and exposing uh, uh, artists in the way that they do is really cool. Um,
0: you don't think changing their label on the same beer is going to lead to some confusion on the customer end as to whether or not the beer is different or the same because it has a different label? Most consumers think when a beer label changes, the beer is different. Well, can I just new.
1: say that like this is drawing? Like, I think one of the things that breweries spend, or at least it seems to me in, in most cases, spend the least amount of time thinking about is marketing. No, like, they stick to no. like. No, totally let false. me let me just finish they my statement let me just thousands finish. and thousands no, and I, thousands I understand of dollars i for people to drop like whatever but like when it goes into the actual logo and branding of a lot of american breweries they're kind of like oh he's just like eh so what you're describing to me with this brewery is like such an amazing like process of like thinking this out to such a degree that you know allagash has what 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 is allagash is like you know one of my favorite breweries of all time if not the favorite brewery for me of all time the only thing I can think of theirs is their font a and leaf, their dude. Leaf. but a like leaf. their other packaging like there's no, i can't like say that it's any identifying thing to their label but here's the thing but-
0: every time you see a label on the shelf it's a completely different beer they're not repackaging the same beer and again i kind of think that they're genius because if they catch that small sliver of people or even that large margin of people thinking it's a different beer yeah. they at least bought it yeah and that contributes to yourself. <laughs> but you're, I that's honestly, the evil part of it. I, you, you said, but you, what you're saying is if you go research that brewery, you'll mm-hmm. understand clearly what they're doing. Mm-hmm. And compared to somebody who doesn't, who just sees a new can on the shelf, who thinks it's new, it's not going to be new. And like, that's kind, kind oh, of a and, genius marketing scheme to catch that, you know, sliver of people who don't realize yeah, it's the same beer.
2: I would agree with that. But, and
1: I don't know if that's I think the intention the, though. I think if
2: you want to if you want to feature a, a variety of artists and a variety of different art styles, you have two options. Either you can repackage the same beer with different uh um art or you can may you can rename the same beer.
0: Yeah, you I can, agree. You can you
2: can make a million different hazy IPAs that yes. all taste the same.
0: Yep, you're right. You're 100% right. And I
2: think may, right.
0: maybe it's <sighs> <laughs> Dude, you're being <laughs> I did it right now I did it Sorry
1: <laughs> Okay
0: Well I think that about does it For our time on this episode <laughs> Ben thank you so much For rip joining us <laughs> Yeah I pulled that ripcord Real hard Ben well, Here comes very the much, hook. Very much appreciate you Joining us on this episode Of the podcast Thank you for your uh, Amazing input On you are,
1: beer You are Our, our first Beer exclusive uh, Guest we found oh, wow. two fish uh, Actually one of them but J3PO bl- uh, Blurred the line He does both But uh, you're our first beer exclusive so we really appreciate your input and and like your perspective is actually really great um i know me as a home brewer i don't really ever think about a lot of the perspectives that you and the liza deal with on a daily basis uh working in the industry so we hope to have you back for all the input that you have to give um and hope you'll be back
2: yeah thanks It's great
0: awesome the kid what are we going out with right now
1: Good question. Yeah,
0: I tried to buy you some time, but I don't think that really worked. DJ Pogo, (laughs) DJ Pogo, do it.
2: Yeah, let's do
1: it. (laughs) We're gonna do some DJ Pogo. Really?
2: And uh, uh, upular, U P U L A R.
0: U P U L A or the ice cream or, or, yeah, truck. Yeah, the ice cream That's I was going to say. coming down the street right now. Hey, go out on that. So,
1: too. uh so we're going out on Pogo Upular, which was the All uh, oh, you know, was it from fucking what, 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 what Ben up? was talking about before. Yeah. And yeah, what's really interesting Yay! is that Disney sink is up which is my, one of my favorite Pixar movies so
0: awesome thank you so much for joining us on this episode of God of Dubru. I am Melissa, and
1: I am the kid and I'm Ben yeah thank you so much see you next time uh...
3: doesn't even
5: rhyme yeah it does Bring it back and i got to everybody in, uh, would you sign off got my cup and i got to me never us a uh, weird Bring it back
4: and i got to everybody in,
5: uh, would you sign off turn my cup me us